0: Shannon, thanks so much for sharing about y'all's trip to India. Uh, Excited to hear more. Um, Really excited about what the Lord's doing there, raising up uh, a new generation of disciples. Um, Our our missionaries, yes, they are looking to equip disciples who are there, see uh, more disciples made, and to see more churches planted um, this morning, we're actually starting a, a new, re- just a really quick three-part series through our mission statement here at King's Church. Our mission statement goes like this. We, we exist to equip disciples who enjoy Christ and evangelize the lost. So over the next three weeks, we're going to be breaking this down. Today, we're going to look at equip disciples. Next week will be enjoy Christ. And then the third week, we're going to uh, be talking about evangelizing the lost. This is what we want to see from all of you, from all of us. We we truly believe as we grow in our joy in Christ, we'll want to tell everyone around us. That's what we want to see happen. So we want to be equipped in order to do that. We We want to find great joy in Jesus because as we find great joy in Jesus, it's going to overflow out of our lives into those around us. So over the next three weeks, that's where we're going to be. I want you to think about your job. How are you equipped to do your job? Did you go through school? A training? Did you, did you get to go alongside of someone and just watch them as they modeled it, and then, and then you got to participate and they, they gave you feedback? There are a variety of ways to be equipped. But today in our passage, we're going to be in 2 Timothy 3 10 to 17. We're going to see how Timothy was equipped for life and ministry. As As you're turning there, it's on page 936 if you don't have a Bible. There's one in the pew. As you're turning there, I want you to think about this Who has had the greatest impact on your life as a believer? Was it your mom? your dad, your grandparents, a friend, a pastor? Who has had the greatest impact on your life as you think back over the years of being in Christ? Who is that? I hope all of us, immediately when I ask that, someone comes to mind. There may be a variety of people that come to mind. What we're gonna see today is, is that really we, we need one another. So as we look back over our journey in Christ, right? there's people that have played parts in our journey. Today we're gonna to see one that, that played a huge part in the life of Timothy. And that's the Apostle Paul. Our big idea today from 2 Timothy 3:10 to 17 is this: we continue to be equipped by one another through the word. We continue to be equipped by one another through the word. Let me read this passage and then we're going to pray. Second Timothy three, ten to seventeen. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. indeed. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let me pray. Our Father, as we come now, we, we pray that your Spirit would teach us. Oh God, give us understanding of your word. Lord, help us to be doers of your word. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So how are we equipped? right? We, our mission here is to equip disciples. So how are we equipped? There are two key ways we see in this passage disciples are equipped. The first one comes from verses 10 to 14. It's life together. Life together. It's living alongside of one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul reminds Timothy of their relationship you know, if, if you want to think back for a second with me, Paul and Timothy's relationship goes back a few years. You see here, this is at the end of Paul's life, and he's writing this final letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. He met Timothy while he was church planning on his first missionary journey. He, he, he went with Timothy, Timothy all over these places and got to go and, and share the gospel and see churches planted with him. So who... Is your Paul? Who is your Timothy? Do you have these relationships in your life? Are there older men and women pouring into you? And then are you doing the same to younger men and women? Who is doing this? Where can you get these relationships if you don't have them already? This is an easy question. It's an easy answer. Look around you. Like, this is what our church is for. This is why we we're brought into local churches, is to be equipped to, to continue to grow doing life together. You see, Paul has just finished, in verses 1 through 9 of chapter 3, condemning false teachers who have led many astray. And so in verse 10, he reminds Timothy of their relationship. You, however, have followed me. You followed me. You, you, you've not been led astray. You've been with me, one who has been called as an apostle. And then what, what Paul is going to do is he's going to go on, and he's going to remind Timothy of his example in ministry and in life. So this, these first three areas that he deals with is, is ministry. His ministry, he says, you have followed my teaching My conduct and my aim in life. First of all, his teaching. If you were to go back and look through Acts and then go through all the letters of Paul, what you see as the the main teaching of Paul, because he says this in 1 Corinthians, is Christ and him crucified. This is what Paul taught. Paul went into different places preaching the gospel, preaching about Jesus. That's his teaching. 2 Timothy 2, 2, right before Paul is writing this, he says, Timothy, what you've learned in the presence, or what you've learned from me in the presence of many men, or many men, teach to others. That's what he tells him to do. He says, Take what you've learned from me and teach to others my teaching. If you want to know Paul's teaching, just read Romans, 1st and 2 Corinthians, read these letters that Paul has written. You'll see his teaching. He was consumed with the gospel. He was consumed with Jesus. Timothy, follow my, my teaching. Timothy, follow my conduct, my lifestyle, my daily pattern of life. What did that look like for Paul? We don't, we don't know exactly, but I can imagine he was, he was praying all the time. He says it. Pray continuously. When I think of you, I pray for you. He knew the word. As he writes these letters, you see Old Testament books versus coming through these letters and he's giving an understanding of them. He was constantly sharing the gospel. That was part of his conduct in life, his pattern in life. He was going out sharing the gospel with people. Timothy, you however have followed my teaching, my conduct and my aim in life. Aim in life. You saw my purpose. You saw what was driving my life, what I was living for. And it's for the gospel to go forth. It's for Jesus to be made known over all the earth. Paul says in Romans, he says, hey, there's no place left for me here, so I'm going to keep going. I'm going to push the gospel into Spain. I'm going to continue to go and make Jesus known where he's not been made known. A question for us, what would your family, those closest to you, spouse, kids, parents, what would they say your aim in life is? What is driving you? What is is your purpose for living? What would your neighbors say? Those who see you drive into your garage and pull out of your garage each day, or maybe you see them do that, right? Those who see you interact with your kids interact with your spouse, interact with your roommates. What would they say? How would your neighbors define that? If, if I was to go or if we were to go and ask, hey, what's, what's their aim in life? What's his aim in life? What's her aim in life? Paul says, follow my aim in life. You know, Paul can say that because in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, this is what he says. He says, imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. Jesus' aim in life was to glorify the Father. And that was through preaching the gospel throughout all of the towns and villages, ultimately giving his life for the sake of ours. What is your aim in life? And now, Paul, Paul continues, right? He, he lays out, hey, you have followed my ministry. Now, he kind of zooms in on his life in very specific areas. He says, Timothy, now follow, follow my life. He, he begins with my faith. And this, this word can mean faithfulness as well. So I think that's what Paul is getting at here. My faithfulness to the faith, right? I, I am faithful. I've, I'm living a faithful life and you've seen it. My patience. Patience, another, another way of saying this is long suffering, right? My patience with those around me. My patience uh, with those who want to kill me. My patience with those who have left the faith. Right? Paul is about to mention several people who have turned their back on him. He says here, you, however, have followed my patience. Demas is one he's about, to, he's about to say, hey, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Right? Paul experienced hurt, yet he was patient, long-suffering. He says, my faith, my patience, my love. My love, you've experienced my love, Timothy. You've seen it. Now follow it. Follow it. It's purposeful, unselfish. We think of 1 Corinthians 13 that Paul wrote. Love is patient and kind. Right? It's not not like a a clanging gong or clashing cymbals. Right? That is not what it is. It's it's a love that, that bears with one another, that cares for one another. He says, Timothy, follow my love. Timothy, follow my steadfastness. Follow my perseverance, my endurance. As as I've walked this journey, in just a few verses, Paul's going to rejoice in what he's been able to accomplish. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Hey, Timothy, follow my steadfastness. Timothy, follow, follow my persecutions, In my sufferings. You were with me. You've you've seen this. You've experienced this in Antioch, in Iconium, in Lystra. Timothy was with Paul. This is where he met him. And immediately he saw the persecutions and the sufferings that Paul went through. This is Acts 13 and 14. In his sufferings, he says, Paul, he says, Timothy, follow. Follow my, my sufferings. Just so listen to what this man went through, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 to 29. These are just a, a little bit of the sufferings with which Paul suffered. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was left adrift at sea. Unfrequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made, for fall, made to fall and I'm not indignant? says, Timothy, you've seen my ministry. You've seen my life. Follow this. Follow this. And then right there in verse 11, listen to what Paul says. (laughs) He says, my persecutions and sufferings, which persecutions I endured, yet from from them all the Lord rescued me. Right? He's going through all of this. He's recounting all of this to Timothy and Right in the midst of that, he's like, the Lord rescued me. The Lord is good. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is kind. The Lord allows us to endure. The Lord keeps us. Then Paul, in verse 12, he drops this encouragement to Timothy, this reality to Timothy, indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I hope that's encouraging to you. Um, I'm sure it was encouraging to Timothy, right? <laughs> hey Timothy, if you live for Jesus, you're gonna be persecuted. You're gonna be persecuted. You see, Jesus promised the, the same thing in John 15. After Jesus goes and he tells the his disciples, he says, Hey, I'm the vine, or yeah, I'm the vine. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me, and you'll produce much fruit. This is what he says in verses 18 to 21. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. Listen to how one pastor commenting on this. Self-centered Christians who serve the Lord half-heartedly seldom have to pay a price for their faith. This is why. They are of little threat to Satan's work because they are of little benefit to Christ. Let me read that one more time. They are of little threat to Satan's work because they are of little benefit to Christ. Paul says here that if you pursue a godly life, if you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. Church, persecution is regular for those who seek to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Throughout Acts we see this. There, the gospel's going forth to all these cities and, and what's happening is economy is actually being changed. Idols are being destroyed. People's livelihood is going away. It says the world is being turned upside down and what's happening? And they're being persecuted immediately. This is just a, a normal rhythm In the Apostle Paul's life, as he as he's going from place to place, right? That's what's happening. He's going into these places. He's preaching the gospel, and people's lives are being radically changed for the gospel. They're not. They can't continue to live the same way that they were living. That's why Paul says here: if you seek to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. You will be hated, is what Jesus says. In your workplace, you should look different than those around you. You should look different. In your neighborhoods, we should look different than those living next door that don't know Jesus. This is what Paul is getting at. Timothy, you've seen my life. You've seen it. You will be persecuted, but the Lord will rescue. And then he continues on in verse 13, and he says, Yet those who are evil and impostors will continue down a slope of no return. They'll go from bad to worse. They're, they're deceiving, and they're going to be deceived. You see, at Kings, we, we long to see people connecting. We, we want to see, we want to be able to say this to one another. Hey, brother, hey, sister, you've, you've seen my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life. You've seen my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings. Live in light of that. Be an imitator of me as I'm imitating Christ I hope all of us can say that. I hope all of us know one another well enough to do this. Yes, we're connecting on Sunday mornings. And this is incredible. We love getting together, seeing one another, encouraging one another, singing with one another, praying with one another, hearing the word read and taught. Yes, this is good. There's other ways that, we've, that we have in our system here at Kings that we, that we want people to connect in. Small groups, discipleship groups, women's prayer, other corporate gatherings. But that isn't enough. That isn't enough. We need to be with one another more frequently. Encouraging one another. Studying the word together. Holding one another accountable. Picking one another up as we go through seasons of pain. Pain. And suffering. We should know one another's fears, struggles, pains, joys. It takes time, but it's worth the investment. Who's your Timothy? Who's your Paul? Who are you doing life together with? As Paul continues on, he. He gives this command. It's really the main command in this passage. And this is what he says in verse 14. But as for you, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed. He says continue, remain. Remain in what you've learned. Persevere, remember, continue. You have examples in your life from whom you've learned. That's what he says at the, at the end of verse 14, right? Knowing from whom you learned it. Paul is, is one example, but it's not just Paul. If you go back to, to chapter 1, Paul's already rejoiced in the sincere faith of Lois and Eunice. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, he says, hey, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt in First in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Timothy had generational believers in his life, his grandma and his mom. He says, remember their example, the faith they passed on to you. And then he says, continue, continue, continue. He now moves from one another's examples, Right? We we can we can grab a hold of one another and say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow my, my ministry, follow my life. But now where, what he's what he's doing now is he goes to where these examples, his example, Lois's example, Eunice's example, he goes to where they're grounded. He says, from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, the Bible. And this is the second way we're equipped. Although, it's not really a second way. It's really the foundation of the first, and really the foundation of our lives. This is how we're equipped. Yes, it's through one another, but it's grounded on the Word of God. 15 to 17 really lays this out for us. And and through these next few verses, 15 to 17, we're going to see four characteristics of the Word and how it equips the Word of God first has a purpose, and we see it in verse 15. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. I hope that's the testimony of the majority of you in here. I hope you've been acquainted with the, with the writings from childhood. I know for me it was in high school is when I became acquainted with the sacred writings, with the Word of God. That's where I, I finally heard the gospel, where I started reading the Bible And God was gracious to give me life in Christ Jesus. For you, maybe it started later in life. For you, maybe it started when you were in the womb and mommy and daddy were sitting there reading the word to you. Praise God for that. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. Because this is what the word does. This is what it does. This is the purpose Paul gives us in verse 15. Which are able... To make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The word of God makes you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Have you been made wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus? You may be sitting here thinking, I don't don't come from a line of, of spiritual grandparents and parents. I've not had anyone model Jesus to me. What a great day today to ask someone to do this, to start reading the Word. And maybe you need to to take another step, right? The, The Word of God makes us wise for salvation. You need salvation. You need it. All of us are in great need of salvation in Christ Jesus because our sin has separated us from a holy God. What we think about, what we say, what we do, these things separate us from God. The good news is, is that Jesus, he's our great mediator. He's our great mediator. He's the one who's made a way between us and God. Through his death, and we're gonna celebrate it in a few minutes through the Lord's Supper, through his death, he's made a way. His body was broken for us. His his blood was shed for us, for our sin. And if you'll repent and believe in that, believing that Jesus died for your sins and rose on the third day, then you'll be saved. That's our hope. All of us need this truth each and every day. We desire to be a church that's word-centered in everything we do. That's why our normal diet of preaching Is through books of the Bible. I know right now we're in a three-week series through our our mission statement. But beginning in three weeks, we're gonna start the Gospel of Mark. And we're gonna move through the Gospel of Mark in 17 weeks. But that's why we study the Bible in our small groups, our discipleship groups. We believe that it makes us wise for salvation. But second, we see that the Scriptures are God-breathed. Why do we devote our lives to the Scriptures? Because they're God-breathed. They have a divine origin, They come from God. They're given by God, inspired by God, the very breath of God to man. That's what verse 16 begins with all scripture is breathed out by God. Scripture trumps everything in your life, in this world, in our culture. It trumps everything. It trumps your feelings, your emotions, it trumps our culture, what the world says is right. We go to the scriptures and we say, is it right? No, it's not. Well, we live in light of the scriptures, not in light of what our culture says. It trumps our experience. If your experience says something other than the word of God, we land on the word of God. You're wrong. Right? I'm wrong. It trumps your mama and your daddy. Right? We honor our parents, but we go to the word of God. It trumps your tradition. It trumps your tradition. Well, I grew up this way. Ah, okay, great. I'm glad you grew up that way. Let's look at the Word of God. We live in a culture that is so anti the Word of God in so many ways. From what's being approved in law, from what we see on TV, what we see on social media. right? That's why we need to be people of the Word. We need to be men and women who saturate our lives in this God-breathed Word. It's the very word of God. Third, Paul continues on. Another another key characteristic of the word is its profitable. This word is profitable for us. The scriptures are profitable. They're useful. They're useful for everyday life. Even in twenty twenty two, even in twenty twenty two, they're still useful. They're not outdated. They haven't changed, nor can we change them. They're profitable. And then Paul goes on and he, he actually says they're profitable for, ser- for several areas of life. They're profitable for teaching, verse 16, for teaching. This is instruction. Romans 15, four says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So the word of God is profit- profitable for teaching, instructing us in how we live. Hey, the word of God is, is also profitable for reproof, for reproof, All of us need reproof in our lives. We need to be rebuked sometimes. And this is a rebuking in order to convict of misbehavior or false doctrine, right? That's what the word of God does. That's why we wanna ground our lives in the word. It convicts of misbehavior or false doctrine. Hey, the word of God also, Paul says that it corrects. It is profitable for correction. It restores, correction, it restores us to its original and proper condition, That's what the word does. It corrects us. When we're going off to the right or to the left, it gets us back on the straight and narrow. It corrects us. It also trains us in righteousness. Learning to live rightly trains us in righteousness. And then fourth, this final characteristic that Paul shows us here as he's writing to young Timothy. He says, we, we see the scriptures equip us for every good work. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This this word here, complete. You see, he 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 kind of he says, be complete, equipped. Um, one commentator said, this is this is this is like being super equipped, super equipped by the Word of God. Maybe we should have put that in our mission statement. We super equip disciples. Right? Like That's what we want to do. right? We want, we want to be super equipped. We want to be complete, equipped, mature in the word so that we can go and enjoy Christ and tell people about him. As we, as we draw to a conclusion, I want to, I want to invite the band back up. We desire, we long to be a people who are equipped. And you you don't go into your workplace unequipped. You go into your workplace ready to to get the job done. And that's our our desire. We want to see all of us equipped for the work of ministry. We want to see all of us equipped so that we can study the Bible, so that we can know the Bible, that we're not just hearers, but we're doers of the word. We want to be be men and women who feel confident in sharing the gospel with others. Paul says in in Romans 1.16, he's not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Like, We want you to be confident in sharing the word. We want you to be confident in being able to, to open up the Bible and teach it to others. If you have a neighbor who says, hey, what must I do to be saved? Hey, that might happen. Like, we want to be able to, we want to be able to say, hey, open up the word with me. Let's go to Romans. Let's go to John 3.16. Right? We want to be an equipped people. We do have, we have several opportunities at Kings. But you also must set aside time in your week for life together with other believers. Inviting people into your home. Inviting yourself into others' homes, right? Like, let's, it's okay. I want to spend time with you. I want to bank some time with you. You, you. You're living a life, from what I can see, that's worth me modeling my life after. So I want to do that. You need to be regularly in the Word personally, but also with other men and women in our church. The early church met together daily. I know that's not possible for for most of us, right? Uh, With work, with other commitments. But we need to work towards being together more frequently than just Sundays. Let's commit to equipping one another through the word. Let's commit to that. Let me pray for us. Our Father, we do give you praise for this word. We thank you for... The example of Paul, of Lois and Eunice, of Timothy. Just faithful men and women of the faith. But Lord, we know that they were grounded upon your word. They taught your word. Lord, may we be faithful. May we be faithful to teach others. May we be faithful to to take what we've learned and apply it to our lives. So that we may be equipped disciples who enjoy Christ and evangelize the lost. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.